Hope everybody's ready to eat of the good word of God. Jeremiah said, I, I said, the, your words, I did eat them. They were to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. When you get a word from God, how many know it'll produce joy and rejoicing in you? Praise God. We're not here to make anyone sad or make anyone mad, although that could happen. It's not our intent, though. It's just like, you know, Paul preached and went different places. He didn't go there to start riots, but sometimes they happened. You know, he didn't go there, so they'd throw rocks at his head, but sometimes that happened. But uh, in the middle of it, often there were those who would catch what was really happening. They'd catch the word and the spirit of it, and it would make them glad. Praise God. When Philip went down to the city of Samaria in Acts 8 and preached Christ unto them, there was great joy in that city. Great joy. That's the intent of the Lord. Amen? Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. Your presence, in your presence, is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Praise God. Fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. This is the nature of of God's presence. This is the tangibility of where He is. The reason His presence is full of joy and pleasure is because He is full of joy and pleasure. He is pleasure personified. That is the God in whom we serve. He's not some mean, disgruntled, angry, omnipotent dictator. No, He is A God of love and of joy and of great, great pleasure. Praise God. If you enjoy misery, stay away from God. Huh? (laughs) Because He will mess you all up. He'll mess up your pathetic life and turn you into something wonderful. Turn you into something that's full of joy and gladness. And you'll be happy that you were born. If you've ever regretted the day you were born, you were not close to God that day. Because no matter what has happened, no matter what you have gone through, you get in His presence and it'll all be washed away. Sometimes people can't imagine being in eternity and forever having to remember and know the things that some of the things they suffered in life because they think forever, I don't want to live forever and, and have to replay these things in my mind, some of these things that I've done or some of the things that were done to me. And uh, see, we underestimate the power of His presence. We underestimate the, the very essence of His joy and pleasure. Those things will never be a struggle. They'll never uh, be something that we look back and feel bad about and, 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 and are reminded of the pain again. Even in this life, you might have memory of certain things that have gone wrong. But I tell you, in the presence of the Lord, the sting of those events will be com- completely removed from your life. His pleasure, His presence, His joy is that effectual. It is that powerful. It is not something we're going to exist in and live with these eternal regrets. Praise God. So, let's continue today. This is our series called The Good Life. 
And uh, we're talking about the joy and presence of God. Our proximity to the Lord will determine our joy and pleasure levels. He is, again, He is the concentrate. Joy and pleasure concentrate in the can with no water added. And if you'll get close to Him, it'll start to be showing up and manifesting in your own soul. Another word for this that we talked about a couple of weeks ago is the word bliss. Bliss. It means perfect happiness and great joy. The Lord wants you to get blissed or blitzed. Blitzed on His bliss. <laughs> and so you're so happy you can hardly stand it. And so you are... You come into a realization that there is, there is nothing in this life that even compares to the glory and pleasure of the Lord. There is no sin that I would rather be in than the pleasure, than the very essence of God's presence and pleasure. It far exceeds anything of this world. Last week we were uh, no, noting that Israel was required to serve the Lord with joy and gladness. It wasn't just about you need to obey. It wasn't just about you need to do the right thing. He said you need to do it with a smile. You need to enjoy yourself in the middle of it. And if you're not happy, then God's not happy. If you're not happy with His presence, then He's not happy about how you're trying to serve Him. There's a lot of religious sourpusses. There's a lot of religious people that are very grumpy and sad and and, and, and that's not pleasing to the Lord at all. Well, I'm suffering for Jesus. Quit. <laughs> Quit suffering for Jesus. He suffered for you. Amen. He suffered for you so you could be happy. So you could be forgiven and walk in life and joy and peace and have victory. There's no need for you to suffer for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Say, what about persecution? Of course, that would be one of those acceptable sufferings, but the testimonies of so many who have suffered greatly via persecution and have even died for the name of the Lord as they did so with great joy in the middle of it. Something that confounds the, 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 the logic of it. Why are you happy while you're being killed for the name of the Lord? That's because our joy is not, uh, does not originate in, in the sense realm. Our joy does not originate in the physical world. It is, it is found in Him. And it, it enables us to supersede and surpass all logic of this world and what it says is necessary for a good and happy life. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so, uh, just like He required them to serve with joy and gladness, we're instructed to do the same. We're told to rejoice in the Lord every once in a while. Every Sunday you should be happy. No, the Bible says rejoice in the Lord. What? Always. 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 We're to continually rejoice. Praise God. We're told to, that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Right? Not just one who gives. Not one who, I'll do it. <clears throat> Remember Usher told me one time years ago, so it might not even be one of you. Uh, they said they were, they were passing out the offering containers, and, and he, one of the ushers told me, he said there was this person, they were just like, they looked around, 
They pulled out some money out of their wallet and threw it in the offering container. <laughs> it's like, why? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they thought there was some kind of expectation, some kind of requirement. Blah, 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 blah. The Lord wants you to be cheerful. Amen. And if we're not cheerful, let's do something else. Hmm? Or really find out the right way to do things and do things the Lord's way. And uh, praise God. Remember we were talking last week about this phrase, in the Lord. Kind of rush through that at the end. In the Lord. Everything we do, if we'll find that He's the source of our joy, our strength, our peace, then we start looking to live life in the Lord as opposed to just in the world or in ourselves or in some sort of way like that. We find, we find, we find many scriptures that talk about our strength in Him and our faith in Him and our gladness and our joy in Him. Right? I went, right? That was like a question. Right? That's kind of hoping for a response. Our, our delighting, even our dying ought to be what? In the Lord. When we can attach that phrase, in the Lord, to all we do, then we've, ta- when, then we've tapped into the source. Then we've tapped in to what the Lord has in mind. Look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. And, and notice with me over here in the 17th verse. 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Notice the phrase there, God gives us, what, richly, not in a limited measure, richly all things to do what? To, enjoy, to, to feel bad about? He gives us stuff so we can feel bad about Because you know this, if you have something nice, if you're blessed with something, you should feel guilty about that because there are other people in the world that are, that are starving. Right? That's not how God thinks. If that is true, He is the greatest offender of all. Because He lives in absolute luxury, joy, pleasure, gold streets, and, and He's happy. Hmm. So, so no, the, the, the th- should we have compassion and do whatever we can to help those who are suffering? Absolutely, that's the, that's the spirit inside of us, to do that. Should we feel bad about enjoying even natural things in life? Absolutely not. We should not feel bad, we should feel thankful. We should feel glad. The Bible says the Lord gives us things to enjoy. And, but what, what the deal is, we must recognize that true enjoyment is found only in God. It transcends and supersedes anything of this natural life. And it is only then uh, that, that we have this, uh, it, it is only when we have this continual connection with Him that we can get the benefit out of all things, all these things that are here on the earth. You know, if someone said, well, uh, my life, if I were to describe it, I'm, I'm fine already. I'm fine the way things are. I'm happy even without the Lord. No, you're not. No, you're not. You, you, your, your, your reference is, is far too low. Your point of reference is not accurate. You, when someone says that, 
they don't understand true joy. They don't understand true happiness. They might be getting a few, you know, little fixes here and there and enjoy some things of life. And that's only there because the presence of the Lord is all around the earth. Because He's everywhere. But for us to measure that and say, I'm good with that, that only only speaks to those who have been in His presence, have experienced Him, His overshadowing in their life. It only says, no, they don't really know what what true joy is. They don't know the, the, the capacity of this. Amen. It's like someone who's been, it's like if there was only one restaurant on the entire planet. And, and uh, uh, you know, and it was, what was it? I probably shouldn't say. <laughs> but it's, it's your least favorite restaurant. You know, the one you're never going to go back to? It was so bad. Just not good. And, and if that were the, you know, and if you ran into someone and that was the only restaurant they'd ever been to and they thought they were all the same. And, uh, and that was the only restaurant they'd been to and they told you, oh, it's so good. It's so wonderful. And they went on and on about how how much pleasure they took from that restaurant. You would say, you have got to be kidding me. You call that pleasure? You call that good? You call that a good experience? Let me take you to a place. And then you take them from your least favorite to your most favorite. And you say, here you go. And how many know? They think they enjoyed. They think it was good. But they haven't been to where you've been. Look at at John 15. John the 15th chapter. Jesus was teaching here about how he is the vine and we are the branches. And how we bear fruit when we're connected to him. And and, and that connection is so very necessary. He said in the 11th verse though. John 15, 11. He said, these things I have spoken to you. That my joy might remain in you. And that your joy may be what? Full. Full. That your joy may be full. You see this? You see the will of God here? You see the heart of God? How Jesus is saying, I'm teaching you these things. This is the reason I'm explaining them to you. Because I have this amazing joy in me. Now, if you picture Jesus walking around during his earthly ministry, kind of depressed and just kind of sad and just kind of walking. No, 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 no. That's the wrong picture. I know we don't have visuals in the, in the scripture. We didn't get the video. Uh, but picture him smiling a lot, enjoying his time, laughing. I mean, there, there were times of seriousness, and he would definitely, you know, get on the religious folk and, and the hypocrites of their day and, and rebuke and so forth. But his, his, his persona would be that of, of joy and happiness. I bet he was slapping his disciples on the back a lot and laughing and, and, and just enjoying. Cause why? That's the way God is. Otherwise, when he said this, his disciples would have went, huh. You want your joy to be in us? Like, well, you know, thanks and everything, but you're really not that happy of a guy. I mean, <laughs> right? So, I mean, you can see that, that, that what I shared there and, and just kind of speculated as to what it looks like has to be the case. It has to look something like that, or he would never be looking in their face and say, I want my joy to be in you. 
They knew it was real. They knew it was, it was the genuine article. But Jesus said, I'm telling you these things because I want you to be so happy you can hardly stand it. I want my joy to be in you. And I want your joy to be full. Is that still the will of God? Come on. It, it, are the words of Jesus a revelation of the heart of the Father? Did he not speak what he heard the Father say? Is he not revealing what is eternal truth? This is the way things are supposed to be, not just when we get to heaven, but when, where we are here in this life. Amplified Bible reads this way, I have told you these things that my joy and delight might be in you, may be in you, and that your joy and gladness may be of full measure and complete and overflowing. All right, so this is the heart of God. This is the presence of God. This is the way that He is. Now, there is a contrast to this type of joy and pleasure, and it has to do with the way things are in the world. There are scriptures, in fact, I'll give you a few of them, that show us, uh, that, that speak of pleasure in a negative way, as something that isn't to be uh, pursued. Let, let, me, let me give you some of those references. Second uh, Timothy 3 and verse 4. See, 2 Timothy 3 talks about some things that will happen in the last days. They are very abundant in our time right now. One of the things he said in verse 4 reads, Traitors, this kind of people, headstrong, haughty, see that's pride, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Okay, that's, if, you, if you dig it up a little bit, there's different words that are translated pleasure, and this is a different one than we see in other places. But still, you can see that people love pleasure rather than love God. That's not what we're talking about at all. Okay, we're, I, I'm saying pleasure is found in God, but there, there are many in the world who, who love pleasure instead of God. And that's your worst restaurant. Even though they think it's great. I'm going to live for this party. And this is how I'm going to conduct myself. No. You, know, you don't have a clue. Because the pleasure that you love in the world. Is not to be compared with the pleasure of God. And I never want to find myself. If I find myself having to distance myself from the Lord, from His Word, from His Spirit, from my communion with Him. In order to enjoy something of this world then I should recognize what's happening. If ever I have to distance myself from the Lord to do something in this world that I think would be great, then that thing that I think is great is exactly opposite of great. And it will sap the love and joy out of my life. But he said people would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Proverbs twenty-one seventeen. 21.17 reads, he who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who, he who loves wine and oil will not be rich. So you can see there is a, uh, the possibility of a misappropriation of our affection. We can set it on the wrong thing. We can set it on the things of this world. We can pursue pleasure as an experience in and of itself, all by itself, separate from God, and the end results are not well. Are not good. Amen. The pleasures of the flesh and the world do not compare with the pleasures of His presence. Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 12. 
reads, That they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so we talk about the good life and the we talk about the pleasure and joy of God. We must understand that that is different than pleasure, the pleasure of unrighteousness. That is different than setting our heart on and our, our mind on pleasure being the ultimate goal. I just want to feel good. No, you want to feel good forever. I just want to feel, no, you want to feel good at a, such a high level that it can only be found in the concentrate package. It can only be found in the Lord. Because anything else will disappoint. I mean, even if it didn't have a hangover on the back side of it, it still, in its original experience, does not compare to the glory of God. Now, if, if some have to take that by faith, then do. I mean, you've given your life to the Lord. Many of you have given your life to the Lord, committed your eternity to Him. So you might, well, might as well just, uh, you know, take His word by faith for everything else He says. And say, Lord, you're better than life. Even if you don't feel it at the moment. Even if you're not having some overwhelming experience. Lord, your joy, your presence, your pleasure, it's all I want. Have you ever said things like that to the Lord by faith? I mean, you didn't feel it at the moment. You weren't feeling some overwhelming sensation of glory and, you know, the cloud was around you and, and, and everything. No, just, Lord, I'm taking it at your word. This is the way I'm going to conduct myself because you are better than anything. See, that's a good step because you're stepping closer to the glory and the joy and the pleasure of God. Amen, amen, amen. And so God wants us uh, to be happy because He is happy. Um, what He gave, remember, we are to enjoy all the good things that He gives. He, he gave those so we could enjoy things in this life with His blessing on them. But how many know anything that He gives uh, for good can be perverted and end up bringing pain and suffering? See, the, see, the devil is not a creator. He doesn't create anything, doesn't make anything. But what he does is try to pervert the goodness of God. And so when the Lord does good things, the devil will try to pervert it and twist it and turn it. To end up bringing, it'll end up bringing pain and suffering. Proverbs 3.13 reads, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Why is he happy? Because when you have the wisdom of God, when you understand His ways, then you know how to conduct yourself, and the end result is happiness. When you see things the way he sees them, when you know what to avoid in life, what to give yourself to, what to avoid, it's all with this knowledge that God does desire that I enjoy his blessings, enjoy his presence. So wisdom is necessary to discern and distinguish the difference. I shouldn't do this. I should avoid this. I should give my time and my energy. I should believe this way. I should not believe this way. Now, now consider this. What behaviors or beliefs contribute to your happiness and enjoyment in life? And what contribute to the opposite? Now, there, here's, here's the reason why I'm saying this. What you do, what you believe, which really, 
we could make the case that those are the same things, that you do what you believe. Uh, as opposed to what uh, my circumstances are. In other words, what, not what, what's around me determines my happiness or sadness, but what I believe and what I engage in. To some degree, we cannot uh, control and dictate the environment around us. To some degree, we can when it comes to our personal lives, but to some degree, we can't as well. Because, again, we live in a fallen world. There's a lot of sin and destruction and chaos and other people who have a free will, and some of them are full of the devil. And you know what I'm talking about? And people are going to do stuff and and do different things. uh, And we can't control all that. But is my enjoyment and contentment in life contingent upon those people or the environment around us or is it directly tied to what I believe and what I do? Second is the correct answer in case you're taking the test. All right. Now think about it. This world, in our world, because people desire happiness so much and and that's nothing wrong with that, they're constantly researching various conditions. There's experts in the field. They're always researching conditions in which people are happy. And they'll come out with reports and you read news articles and it'll, it'll be on TV and everything. We've determined that this great study has been done over 10 years and they'll say people who are healthy are happier than those who are unhealthy. How much money did you spend on that? I mean, I'm, literally, these are, you know, you know, and they come up with studies. And I've read things that say married people are happier than single people. Or outgoing people are happier than introverted people. And, and, all, and why are they always studying this? Why are they trying to uh, figure it out? Well, because people do want to be happy. They want to enjoy their life. But they're not really sure how. And, uh, and so they're, they're looking for answers. But th- think about this. God is a happy God. And at the same time, He knows everything. Now watch. We think, I would like to know everything. I wouldn't. (laughs) Because He not only knows all the good, He sees everything bad that's happening. He sees suffering. He is limited in his in because of personal choice and a lot of different factors that I taught about in another series called "The Goodness of God in the Very Evil World." Uh, but he is limited in, in his ability to intervene in those situations. But he sees all the bad things happening right now. Yikes! But here's the thing: he's still happy. His presence still exudes joy and pleasure. Yet he knows all this stuff that's going on. How is that possible? It shows us a secret. It reveals to us a key. We know what God focuses on and what He doesn't. We know what He gives His thoughts to, what He he, he keeps in His mind and what He doesn't. Just like we're told to think on things that are lovely and good and true and faithful and of good report. You think God follows His own word? Yeah. So the Lord, even though He knows everything... We can see that uh, he, he, he spends his time focusing on what is good. Praise God. 
And this would help us. What are you looking at? Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 13 reads, And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. This is the gift of God. It is the gift of God to enjoy this life. But here's the the wrong thinking. Here's the deceptive thought. I will be happy or I'd be happy if. I would just be happy. I'll be much more happy in my life if. And then you can fill in the blank. Okay. This is what we want to, we should analyze. Okay. Although God gives us things to enjoy, those who are waiting on the next thing to start enjoying life are not dealing rightly with the things that they have now. This is the grass is greener mentality. It's always going to be better over there. If I just had this or that or if I were just over here, then I would. But now, I'm not. But if I had this, I would be. Then usually you can go, you can usually extend that out and it's someone's fault why they don't have that. Huh? Then there's that entitlement mentality. Someone owes it to me. I've been done wrong. I, you know, but there's always a reason for, for not being happy. Uh, always a reason for discontent. But if we'll see the way that things work, it is not about uh, happiness just being one thing away. If I, as soon as I get this new job, then I'll be happy. But I'm miserable now. As, as soon as I get a, if I could just get a new wife... All my sadness would go away. Now, that sounds funny, but don't raise your hand. <laughs> or husband. Huh? I'm telling you, that belief is crippling. To believe that, even though most of us are not going to say it out loud, not in a big crowd anyway, that belief is going to hinder you from experiencing the very goodness and joy of God. If I only lived in this part of the world, if I lived where the water was warm and the sand came beneath my toe, came through my toes, and if that was my, (laughs) if that was my backyard, huh? Yeah, you'd have a messy bathroom. Sand everywhere. How many would put up with it? Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I enjoy that. That's why I use, can use that illustration. Some, you want to be in Alaska with the, the bears and, and whatever. Uh, but here's the thing. There are miserable people in Hawaii. Or on your favorite Caribbean beach. There are miserable people in Alaska or wherever you want to name in the world. And there are happy, content people in all different environments and different situations. We cannot make that the source of our joy. We can't. Someone said, well, I moved here because I love the, what, the seasons and the mountains and the outdoor. Fine, there's nothing wrong with that. Enjoy every good thing that God has given you. But if you make that the source, you're about to be disappointed. It will not fulfill you. You'll be moving again. 
See ya. Well, Idaho just didn't do it for me. It won't. Neither will California. Neither will wherever you want to. It's not going to do it for you. But there is something great, some great pleasure in the presence of the Lord. And make it your deepest desire and ultimate goal. I'm going to find out how to live there, wherever I live. I'm going to discover how to live in that place, no matter where I'm at on planet Earth. And then you can be wherever you want or wherever the Lord tells you to go or it doesn't matter because in Him is everything. Praise God. I have to, that kind of talk, I'm just going to find a new church where I can be happy. <laughs> Fine. Fine. You'll be miserable there too. You might as well be miserable here. <laughs> but you're going to hear about it. So I'm going to try to fix you. Remember the old proverb? I made this one up, but the old proverb, where thou goest, there thou shalt be. When you get to the beach, bad thing about it is there you are. (laughs) Your unhappy, dissatisfied self will just have a new place to be. Your unhappy, dissatisfied self will have a new job and a new wife and a new truck and and whatever. Uh, We've got to get to the the source of this thing. It's spiritual. It's not physical. Enjoy the physical stuff when there's a spiritual connection to Mr. Joy himself. Lord Joy. Great misery comes from those who are outside of God's plan and His will and His belief system, how He is. And, uh, and that, so that, that's the focus. Am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I believing right? Am I thinking right? Am I, am I walking with Him? That's the focus. If we'll do that, we'll find great, great satisfaction. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I don't want to. I don't want to seek happiness at all costs. It's not the ultimate goal. Pleasure should not be the ultimate goal in your life. I'm just, and I'll do anything just so I can be happy. I mean, how many sins have been justified in the name of God wants me to be happy? After all, the Lord just wants me to be happy. And so they justify all kinds of craziness that they want to do. They'll never end up happy that way. Short-term fixes. Short-term blips. Oh, I feel better. Yeah, till next week. And it'll all come back. I don't want to put my personal desire for satisfaction above my commitment to serve the Lord. And this is where I must see Him by His Word through the eye of faith, and absolutely be convinced that I will never, ever be happy and satisfied and fulfilled and thrilled in my life outside of an intense personal relationship with God. And that can exist anywhere on the planet, in any job, with any financial state, whatever the case may be. And if that's the source, then out of that, we can enjoy life. Out of that, we can enjoy, the, you know, have a good job. woo 
You know, have a nice truck. Go to the beach. Whatever you want to do. Live wherever God wants you or lets you or whatever that case may be. But don't make it the source. Amen? This is a very big key to our enjoyment and really what we're calling the good life. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray today. Father, we love you. We serve you. We enjoy you. We recognize the need for the very presence and essence of who you are. Lord, our connection with you is everything. Oh, our, our joy and our delight are found only in you. Thank you for what you're saying, for what you're doing, for how you are moving in our lives personally. Father, even right now, I thank you for the Spirit of God moving on every every individual. As they look to you and make this commitment to you to find joy and satisfaction only in you, your presence fills them once again. They are blessed by you. The presence of the Lord is all we look for. Father, I thank you for what you're saying, what you're doing to us, in us, and even in us corporately. Father, I'm recognizing even in this service that the measure and the level of experience of the move of your spirit that has been, and it definitely has been, will not compare to what shall be and what we enter into, what we enter into even now. A greater, a greater experience individually and personally and a greater experience with you corporately. Thank you for the glory of who you are. Help us to see you in accuracy and in truth. And we glory in in your presence. Lord, we are satisfied only in you. Nothing else takes your place. Come on with me. Communicate these things from your heart to the Lord. You can do it quiet. You can just only in you do our dreams come true. Only in you do we find the path. Only in you do we live in your joy and pleasure. You enable us to laugh, to sing songs of joy, songs of peace, and great victory because we've been released from all bondage and sin, from the pain and suffering of this world. And now we live with you forever and ever we do. Thank you for your presence in every life. Lord, we find it only in you today. We give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.